welcome to Archive, our lives, our journeys, our stories. Archive is a podcast developed through the UAB Honors College Mental Health Ambassadors Program. The Mental Health Ambassadors are a mental health peer awareness group committed to promoting self-care, building resilience, and decreasing the stigma surrounding mental health. On Archive, we bring in people from a variety of different backgrounds, such as race, culture, socioeconomic class, and more to talk about their experiences with mental health. We want this to serve as a place where we can all come together and find relief in hearing each other's journeys. And while we don't all experience the same things, there are some things that we share universally. Um, oftentimes these things are not talked about or when they are, they're difficult to talk about. And we want to encourage healthy discussion about these topics because they are necessary conversations to have. That being said, some of the topics that we discuss on here will be sensitive and can become triggering. So we encourage you to stop listening if it becomes harmful for you to do so. If you need to speak to a professional, UAB has certified counselors at Student Health Services, or if the need is more immediate, Birmingham Crisis Center can be reached at 205-323-7777. Um, today, we are here with Herb Wilkerson. He is a clinical counselor at UAB Student Counseling Services. Herb, do you wanna introduce yourself a little bit more? Yeah, uh, first off, thank you for having me. And uh, my name is Herb or Herbert, I'm finding the way and uh, my pronouns are he, him, and his. And I am a clinical counselor here at UAB in Student Counseling Services. I've been here uh, a little over three years now. I've uh, been in counseling uh, for about a little over 13 years, so I've been around for a while. And uh, and yeah, so hopefully we have a good conversation there. I bring something to the table that the people will like to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you wrote that you want to talk a little bit about your college experience. Mm-hmm. So where do you want to start? Uh, you know, I'm open. I'm an open book. So we can start wherever. Uh, I am uh, a first-generation college student, I guess, for the most part. And uh, definitely had my share of challenges, uh, some within my control, some out of my control. And uh, not the traditional journey, but I think a lot of people are more, a lot of people have journeys similar to mine and, uh, and whatnot. So wherever you want to start, you know, y'all ask questions and I'll answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just right off the bat, what was the biggest thing that you faced when you did start college? When I first started college, uh, definitely uh, finances were an issue because I didn't work my first year on campus. My mom didn't want me to work. Uh, I had been working since I was like 14 or 15, uh, as far as like having a job job, like I always had like little odd and end jobs. And so, uh, but she definitely wanted me to just be a student that first year. So uh, money at times was an issue. And then just the adjustment to college in general. Um, I was somewhat prepared for college, but I wasn't prepared for the level of independence that I would have. And once I realized I did not have to go to class and they weren't calling home to tell people I didn't go to class, then I did not go to class. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the first and foremost thing. And then uh, and some of the classes, I mean, not all the classes were difficult, but I definitely realized I was not taught how to write effectively in high school. I got to college and realized that that was not the same. Right. So can you talk about all of that, how all of that collectively attributed to any mental health issues? Uh, I would say the first year, I had a really, really good friend group, and uh, and so it didn't. 
I would say my mental health progressively became more difficult over my time in college. But that initially, not so much because I had, I was fortunate. Like, you know, a lot of times people say you get to college, you find your friend group, you find your people, and it just works out magically. And that's not the case for a lot of people. Uh, fortunately for me, I was able to meet a group of people that I lived in the dorm with, and we connected quickly and we hung out all the time our first year on campus. And we were all essentially broke together. So we didn't, it wasn't like one of us is out here balling and the rest of us were struggling. We was all struggling together. <laughs> and so uh, so that definitely helped. Uh, but <clears throat> when it came to being a student, like I really questioned my ability to do school that first semester. Right. And, uh, because it was such an adjustment and it felt easier in high school but I realized I didn't know how to study. I didn't know how to manage my time effectively and uh, things I weren't necessarily prepared for. And I was in a major that I thought I wanted to do coming into school that I soon realized that wasn't what I really wanted to do. Right. So when did you start noticing more signs like that and start noticing it progressing and getting worse? I would say my second year of school uh, like a lot of uh, young people, you know, you do relationships in college and relationships in college are different than relationships in high school. Uh, you definitely have more access to the person. And I realized that I was very ill-equipped to do relationships. Uh, you know, I come from a loving home, but my mom, was, you know, my, my parents weren't married, so I didn't have like that example of what that looked like. And my older brother got married uh, the summer I graduated high school, headed into college. So I've, you know, seen him and his wife throughout the dating process and the engagement process. And so I went into school thinking like, this is the blueprint. And so I quickly realized that that wasn't the blueprint <laughs> for me at least. But uh, I definitely uh, struggled in the relationship I was in. And, uh, and I think we were both just, you know, young in general. But, you know, really investing all myself into that, not really having an identity outside of that. School got tougher, uh, especially. Um, life was just more difficult in general. Uh, as the second year student versus the first year student, I'm working now. Uh, have more responsibility. And the newness of college had worn off and the reality is setting in. Like, you know, I was connected to some really good people especially through like, I was involved with campus ministries my first year. And then, uh, excuse me, then I was also involved with like some freshman things on campus. But then like, when that new excitement wears off and the reality of it starts to set in and it's not as exciting and it's more task oriented, uh, that's when I started to see certain things. I started to see that uh, I wasn't as structured as I thought I was and um, investing too much time in relationship. I got into a fraternity uh, my second year of college and so investing a lot of time in that and you know hanging out and whatnot and so that's when I started to notice things like really start to pivot for me. And, and how did those things manifest? Uh, definitely like some codependent behaviors especially in my relationship. Um, being too concerned with the opinions of other people comparing myself to others, which I think college kind of breeds that naturally. 
that comparison piece. Um, putting more emphasis on things that I just enjoyed and like avoiding other stuff. Uh, so like work was like always a getaway. So I would just work. I worked on campus in the dining. And so I would just do that. Um, and so, yeah, and not really being honest about what was happening, like no vulnerability. You know, I can't, I have to appear that things are good. And people right. sort of expect that from you anyway, when you have a certain personality type. And so uh, so I had to like also appear that things were better than what they were. Um, you wrote about like, you wanted to talk about like your insecurities. Um, so maybe if you want to talk more about like the insecurities you had in college and like how that affected your mental health. Yeah, yeah, especially, exactly. So, uh, so I definitely uh, had some, you know, definitely financial insecurities at times food insecurities, uh, transportation insecurities. Um, the college I went to had a lot of apartment complexes around it, some way better than others. And I stayed in some bad ones and uh, have had eviction notices before. Uh, there were times when I had one, one time I had a job in college, I was working at a gas station and uh, which is not, wasn't ideal for managing the school schedule. But we got paid once a week, which that was new for me. So I had, you know, I was used to money in, you know, two week increments so I could like pay bills and stuff or whatever. And so, uh, but I'm getting paid every week. So trying to manage that. And then I'm like, at certain points, it was like, okay, I got $25 to go to the grocery store with. And I got to make this work till I get paid again. I need to fill my gas tank up to half a tank because it's going to be half a tank will get me through work uh, the next pay period. No trips home to Birmingham, no trips to the mall. It's just like very much on that budget. And, uh, you know, taking $25 to the grocery store and getting some ground beef, hamburger helper, peanut butter and jelly and bread. And, uh, and trying to make it. And so uh, that was definitely uh, a situation that I dealt with. And, you know, that's kind of like the cliff notes I can think of one time in particular. And uh, and, I, and I'll preface this by saying, I was extremely popular on campus, like extremely popular. Greek, SGA, um, just heavily involved in student affairs. Like I was, I was popular. <laughs> the person I dated, we were as equally popular. And so you combine those forces and it was just like, boom. And so uh, I remember one time in particular, and this is in like maybe like 2000, 2001. And uh, my phone was off in my apartment. My car was down. I needed a ride to work because the job I had, it was like, no call, no show, you fired. So, and I, but I didn't need to miss work. I needed the money because I was trying to buy a new car at the time. So the apartment I lived in was about maybe like three quarters of a mile from the gas station. So I go in my apartment, scrounge up change, walk to the gas station to use the payphone to call my fraternity brother who just so happened to answer and was like, hey, I need a ride to work. You know, and so walk back home, 
And all the while, unpopular herd walking through Jacksonville to a gas station. People are passing by me, waving, speaking, you know, nobody stopping, asking, just waving and speaking. And I'm like, and then, you know, the walk itself felt like forever because I'm thinking of like the situation I'm in, like very hopeless situation. And uh, the only hope at that point in time was like getting to work to be able to get this paycheck. And so, uh, so yeah, I remember that day vividly and I got the ride to work and it, you know, the day went on or whatever. But I remember that day really, really vividly as like one of those moments where it was like, this is low. Uh, and with that, I mean, there were times where I had like, you know, suicidal ideations. I never felt like I was suicidal, but there were times where it was like, yo, what's the point? Uh, thought about going back home, you know, and just maybe sitting out a semester and coming back, uh, maybe transferring or just going and getting a job or whatever. And, uh, but then also the thought of that, of, of being that dude, uh, was definitely overwhelming as well. Still having relationship, you know, struggles or whatever, still having struggles in school. Uh, I think at that point in time, I changed my major. So I was doing much better in school, kind of found my identity in my new major, but I'm still dealing with a lot of hangups from just everything I've been dealing with leading up to that. And at one point, I remember this English professor I had my first year on, on campus, Dr. Williams, really, really difficult guy. I had him again for another English class down the road. And one day we were talking, he said, come to my office. And so and we're talking and he was like, you know, I remember you being such a joyous young man and now you just seem like life has beat you up. And I'm sitting in his office and I'm like, man, we ain't seen each other in like two years. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it has. <laughs> yes, it has. And so, uh, I remember that point in time in particular, just uh, the gas station and that, you know, that job or whatever. And uh, to the next job I had, like, it was just kind of a, like a dark spot. You know, it was that probably the third year of school. And mind you, it took me five years to finish and five years in a semester to finish. So I didn't take the traditional route by any means. I had my, you know, barriers in place. And then I had some bad choices in place too. But, you know, it definitely like hit a, hit, a, hit a point then where it was just, I would spend more time by myself, definitely. Um, and, you know, my, my eating schedule would be off. You know, I'm the kind of person, me not eating, I just retain and I just gain weight easily. And so I could go eat once or twice a day, you know, one time a day. Or whatever and so uh so that was definitely a time with that was happening and mind you this is you know 20 20 years ago so the language that we use now is not out then right you know it existed but it didn't exist to where anybody i knew was talking about it or i was talking about it and so uh it was you know the mindset was you grind and you figure it out because there's you didn't really have a blueprint coming in you know my mother and her siblings integrated the same high school i went to so 
my direct connection to just like figuring it out, I, I get that from them. And so, and that's the mindset I have with it. I got to figure this thing out. Right, there is no handout. There is no just like, you know what, quit your job. We're going to take care of you. You know, you got to work full time then. Like at one point I had, I got hurt playing basketball in the rec center. And I, um, the guy said I had a hairline fracture in my foot. Now I didn't have health insurance. And the student health and wellness center here is amazing. We had an infirmary. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was called, an infirmary. They may have some band-aids and some condoms inside of it. That was about the extent of it. <laughs> you get your bag of condoms and a band-aid. That was about it. Yeah. And uh, and so that guy was like, he said, so we need to set you up for x-ray at the hospital. I was like, I ain't got no insurance for you. Because I aged out my mom's insurance. I didn't have a job with insurance. And I was like, if it's just a fracture, I will be all right. <laughs> yeah. and those were kind of decisions that I had to like make. Why being a student? Why being popular? Why being great? Why be on that? You know, SGA Senate. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, like, so at that point in your life, you just didn't have a choice. It was just keep going or bust. Yeah, and that's what other people around me were doing. Yeah, that's the thing too. Like that, it was that was what I was seeing. You know, you got your refund check. You made the best of that. You paid your rent up, or whatever. Tried to keep from doing something stupid with it. And then you worked. Like, at one point, I was working two jobs. I was working full-time on the weekends at a residential facility. And I worked on campus dining at the Chick-fil-A Taco Bell combination on campus. And so uh, this went on for about a year or so, I guess. And ironically enough, I was doing the best I'd ever done in school at that point in time. <laughs> you know, I was working two jobs. Yeah. And, uh, but I would, you know... When we would close Chick-fil-A at night, um, we were, you know, all the leftover food, it was like, hey, y'all take it with you. And so it was me and some students, uh, other students, and then like people who just lived in the community, lived in Jacksonville or whatever. And none of them wanted to take it home their family. So it was always us taking them, which a lot of times meant, you know, we would just divide it up or whatever. And that would lead to me just grabbing up all these chicken sandwiches, take them to my fraternity brother's apartment who always had a bunch of people over there and giving it away because we was all in the same situation. I just had access to food in a way, in a way they didn't. And so, uh, and that was kind of like things that we did, you know, we just kind of, you know, we figured it out, we figured it out together. And that's what, you know, but then you had that happen and then you eventually had people who didn't come back to school or people who eventually graduated, you know, it was kind of like one of those things. And so, uh, I just knew for me, I could not graduate. Right. Like I had to get across the stage, but so, yeah. I think it's really cool that you guys kind of developed that community where you were all in the same position and uh, like looked out for each other. Definitely out of necessity. <laughs> yeah, but it was cool. I mean, these are people I'm still friends with to this day in some right. form of fashion. And we, you know, we laugh about it now. One of my, you know, me and my roommate, one of my old roommates, we lived together for a number of years. And uh, we, we was like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it because people don't just know. Like, people don't know these stories unless you were there for them. People just see the current version of you. So I'm successful in my career. I'm good at what I do here. But then, like, you know, 
I tell students at times, like when I'm in session, like these are some of my, you know, some of my struggles or whatever. But like at that point in time, when you're buying like the least quality ground beef they have in Walmart just <laughs> to add to the, you know, ability to cook hamburger helper that week, man, that is the worst. <laughs> it's funny now, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it, it wasn't funny then. So you mentioned that you had your uh, fraternity brothers and like y'all were kind of going through the same stuff. And that's, I like, I'm so happy that you had that. Mm -hmm. um, but did you ever feel like disconnected from other people because you had all these extra responsibilities that they didn't have? Like they didn't have to worry about having jobs, let alone like <clears throat> one job, let alone two from what you have. And yeah. they didn't have to like worry about you know, putting food on the table because they had somebody back at home really backing them. So did you ever kind of feel like, like, how'd you feel about that? You know, I never felt, I don't think I ever felt any kind of way about it because for the, in most cases, our situations were so connected that it wasn't a way where I was like, they were like looking at me like they were better than me or I saw them as like, you got it easy. Like you can be, I can look at a person like one of my fraternity brothers and be like, well, you know, you got both your parents and da 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 da. But it's like, at the same time, you working as much as I am. <laughs> I mean, just because they, excuse me, you got two parents, and I mean, you just hit the jackpot, and they just taking care of everything. And so, uh, so I, you know, my experience never was, well, they just got it good, and you don't. I think for some of my fraternity brothers the difference would be is that in some ways they were more prepared for that level of independence and decision-making because they had somebody having those conversations with them or maybe steering them in certain directions when it came to like financial decisions or whatnot, or just like really saying like, yo, this is what you about to do. And you're not going to do that. Like one of my fraternity brothers one time, like he had this job, and he made some good money at it for a college student, but it wasn't a college student job. And his dad hated him working there. And so his dad one day came up there and was like, look, me and your mom ain't paying for you to go to school for you to do this, because you're going to get caught up in that and you're going to forget about school. Go tell them folks you're going to quit this job. And at that point in time, I'm like, man, that is intense. <laughs> but now as, an, as a parent and knowing how easy it is to get sidetracked when you trying to work and go to school and the money's an issue. Um, I can see why he did it. Um, I don't necessarily have to agree with it, but I can see why he did it. Or, you know, really controlling their finances where me, I was more just like on my own. And, uh, and I could have had the help a lot of the times, but one of my insecurities is that I don't want to seem as if I'm incapable. So instead of being vulnerable and being like, yo, teach me how to do credit, teach me how to do this, teach me, it's, I'm not saying anything. Every once in a while, somebody's like, you know, don't get any credit cards, that's a trap. And I'm like, well, hell, I got two of them already. So should have told me this in high school. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, I, I would say that would be some of the things because we were all essentially first generation college students are really close to it. And uh, so it wasn't like a lineage of like just college degrees that I knew of with a lot of my friends. It was military, college, no college, you know, kind of thing. 
And so it just depended on, I guess, the level of involvement, like maybe their parents had on them as far as like how to make decision making, decisions and whatnot. And I didn't have like a business major, so I wasn't getting that money education that some of my friends got just because of the degree they were in. Right. So do you think all of you suffering together made you willing to stick it out a lot more? Uh, it made us definitely resilient. You know, I think as a group, we were all extremely resilient individuals. Uh, but also a lot of that suffering would be, or just, you know, some of the struggles as men, for the most part, it was, you're not sharing too much of what's going on because of just the, the gender norms in society, especially then. And it's, you keep it to yourself, you figure it out. And, you know, y'all may just say, we're going to dial up and have a barbecue this weekend, everybody chip in. But it's not like, yo, let's put together a gift basket and take it to such and such because he said he was struggling. Because nobody's really saying that. And uh, so, yeah. But, you know, also at times you can just tell when you knew somebody was struggling. It's like, hey, let's go here. It's on me. You know, situation. So I think, you know, it definitely, it definitely created some fond memories because I can think about times and it's just like, remember that time we went and we did this and we put our money together. Like one time we went and bought, we went and we went grocery shopping. We was like, look, we going to eat good today. We was in a dorm our freshman year. So we dialed up. We went to this little place in Jacksonville, got something to eat. And we took the rest of the money, went to the grocery store and got some stuff just to keep in the room. And so we brought all this uh, off-brand cereal. And if there's anything that you can tell the difference from between name brand and off-brand is like cereal is like instant. You can't get fruit circles and they do not taste like fruit Loops. They just don't. And so we bought all this off-brand cereal and it was disgusting. And we ended up throwing it all away. <laughs> Thinking we were trying to save some money and like have a good time. And like in that, in that moment, you don't realize you're creating the memories. But uh, you definitely look back on it and you do. And at times we were like at our brokers, we created some good memories. It was, you know, we're college students, we drink, you know, it's like we're going to get the cheapest vodka at the liquor store <laughs> that we would never buy today. Like I wouldn't, my money don't know what aristocrat looks like right now, but in college it did. <laughs> and we, you know, you have some fun times. And so, yeah, it definitely brought us together. It created a bond. And when we see each other now, especially when like, as we're, cause we're all we're doing good. We're family people. We got, you know, we're in our careers or whatever. And you, you definitely celebrate that person differently knowing their journey the way you do. So would you make a point to anybody listening that, um, that like the friends you make during that time and like the memories you make during that time, even though it was awful, are, are still things you think about fondly? Yeah, I mean, because think about anything you really value the most in life, it didn't come easy. Like I would say, you know, I, I, I run into students who have just some journeys who make mine look like a cakewalk to this day. And, uh, and I'll say, you know, when you all graduate, each of you all get the same degree. Just some degrees have more of a narrative to it than others. And it doesn't lessen anybody else's degree. It just, your piece of paper says a lot because of what you had to do 
to get here. Like I had a student last summer who was essentially homeless and going to college and would come to sessions and, you know, we would talk and everything and, and, you know, he would be almost transient to the next time we met and he graduated this past summer. And so I'm like, for him, like, man, all these degrees are degrees, but your degree, it means something to you that because you know the story attached to it. And uh, so I tell people that. I also tell people too, like, you don't, everybody doesn't graduate in four years. You just don't. Sometimes it's, you know, your own choices. Sometimes it's, you know, you've been through a lot and you get here and it's like, and you don't know how to manage or whatever. And uh, it's changing majors. It's, you know, whatever, adjusting to college. And so as a person who took longer than four years to graduate, one of the things I realized along the way, after about four and a half years of school, I'm like, I'm not going to anybody else's graduation. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing people I know graduate. But also it was like, but once I graduated, as much as I like had those negative thoughts leading up to it, it's taking too long, you're never gonna finish and all this stuff. Once I crossed that stage, I didn't count one of those days. Like, I don't look back and say, well, you know, it should have took me four years. It took me five and a half. I'm like, I don't even think about it. <laughs> I do not think about it. Like, and that's what I tell people. Like, once you cross that stage, it's over. You know, now you want to get across the stage. You want to make sure you're doing the things to get across that stage. And for me, uh, even with the resources we had, we didn't have a lot of them, like, really presented to us. I should have did a better job of connecting to those resources. The tutoring, the career counseling, the, you know, talking to my advisors. And so, or getting a good advisor that I could have talked to or mentorship, like finding somebody I can connect with mentorship wise. I had an advisor early on in college and from the moment I walked in her office, I can tell she was not comfortable with me being in there. This older white lady was looking at me like, I came to take something from her and I was just like, I'm trying to figure out what classes to take. And our interaction was terrible, like terrible. And I was like, well, about that, I can register for classes myself. And so that experience definitely had a negative impact on how I utilize resources going forward when it came to things I needed like that, uh, you know. And so, uh, so one thing I really push students towards now is like challenging those thoughts that will keep you from using, utilizing resources, stigma or whatever, because those are the things that can get you over the hump and could avoid a lot of time that doesn't need to be spent like on that road to graduation. So if, if I was going to first year student services, or if I was going to, you know, um, uh, tutoring, if I was going to counseling, if I was, you know, I think I had ADHD growing up. I mean, every report card I ever had suggests that. And so if I was, you know, being seen or treated for something like that, because I know how long it took me to study and how much I had to do to remember stuff. So if I, you know, when I see people like that in those situations now, I try to use my experiences without telling them what to do. But like, listen, I, you know, I somewhat get it. And 
let's not fight this fight with one arm tied behind your back, you know. And so that's kind of where I nudge people now. And yeah, you can create those memories through these tough times. Like know who's in it with you. Um, so do you think that graduating was that turning point for you? Did it come a little bit before or after? It came before that. Uh, my first two and a half years in school was one way. My second two and a half years in school, I was a student I could have always been. Like never making anything below a B. Um, rarely made a C. But I shared this one story because I know we got to go. So I changed my major to social work, right? <laughs> and uh, never heard of social work until a friend of mine suggested it to me because education wasn't working out. So I go in this program. I'm loving it. I'm making great grades. But I still got bad habits, like not going to class. And so uh, <laughs> this one class you took, it was like three classes you took in sequence to graduation. So as I'm in this class, I'm like, I'm going to graduate on this day. Like I knew it. And so uh, Dr. Miss Snyder, that was her name. She, uh, she tells us, you know, there's an attendance policy, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I am killing this class. A's on all the assignments. Other people around me are struggling. I'm like, I got it figured out. So I got an A going into the final. I go to see her on the day before. It was academic dead day. So like two days before finals, I go see her. Ms. Snyder, what do I need to do to keep an A in this class? That's my conversation. She tells me, she was like, yeah, I'm glad you came by. Uh, I, want, I was going to give you a call. Like, what you calling me for? <laughs> she was like, you can't pass my class. And I am like, hold up. <laughs> I got an A. Not only I got an A, I got like the highest grade in the class A. That should get me something, you know. She was like, I explained the attendance policy. And it was your responsibility to keep up with it. You got to retake this class in the fall. And this was the spring semester, and they didn't offer it in the summer. So right. that graduation date I had was just blown to hell at that point. And so, uh, and I was livid, uh, of course. And I was like, and the, the, the kicker to the conversation that really, I think, changed it all for me. I was like, well, at what point did I overcut the class? And she was like, well, according to my records, you overcut before the drop ad date. So the drop ad date was like halfway through the semester. And I'm like, you mean to tell me I could have dropped this class? Like, why didn't you tell me? So I'm shifting blame back towards her. And she puts it right back on me. Again, that's not my responsibility. So all summer, I'm sitting with that, eating that. Take that same class in the fall, same exact assignments, same time, same teacher. And, uh, and I didn't know what to expect from her. And she did not treat me any differently than anybody else. I was at every class, as you can imagine. Got the same A I earned before. And when the semester was done, I wrote her a letter and I took it to her. And I just told her, I was like, I kind of told her what was in the letter. And I was like, you know, I had a lot of bad habits when it came to school and you holding me accountable has definitely, you know, helped me see things differently. Like I got to take all of it seriously, not just certain parts of it. And uh, 
And so that was, that to me was a turning point. Yeah. I took school the way it was supposed to be taken. Now, I still had all the challenges outside of that. The challenges didn't go away. But when it came to school, like, I took it, I, I didn't play. So when I got into graduate school and I went to the same place for undergrad, you know, grad and undergrad, I was late to class once because I, I had a full-time job working in my field. And so I get to class, they move class. First day of class, they move it to a new building. I get to the new building, class has started, doors locked. He ain't letting nobody in. I'm texting people in the class like, what's the deal? He ain't letting nobody in. I beat on that door for 15 minutes straight, slid him a note up under the door and was like, look, I work full time. You change the room without telling nobody. He ended up letting me in. After class, he was like, well, don't let it happen again. I was like, listen, I'm not here to play games. Because it was a combination of graduate and undergraduate students. So I feel like he, I guess he felt like he had to babysit. And I'm like, listen, I'm not here to play games. You know, I work all day long, then I come here. And so, uh, you know, so I think about that particular moment being a turning point and then changing everything. But I had to make the decision. Right. Like, she made her decision. I had to make mine. And I had some friends who was like, look, you, you overcut the class. What else can you say? Now, I was mad about it. I kicked up a stink for a while. And then it was like, all right, what you going to do about it? And uh, so, I, I mean, I had to make the choice when nobody else was paying attention. And so, uh, and that changed along with other things, like changed it for me. And I still had relationship stuff. I still had food insecurity, still had money, you know, insecurity, still had apartment stuff. But at one point I had it and I didn't feel like I was going anywhere. Now I had it and I'm working towards something. And working towards something was a game changer versus like, I'm just floundering. And so getting that help you need to kind of help you work towards something is so important. And I've had that conversation with people. Sometimes we're running from something and when you're running from something, you're not focused on where you're going. You're just running from something. And so you're not really getting the best out of yourself. It's like, so how can I constantly try to shift towards working towards something? And for me, it was working towards graduation. And at different points in my career, it's been like working towards something different versus like running from the fact that I, you know, had a tough, you know, way about things and I don't want to go back to being that way. Like that shouldn't be all the motivation. So all of that being said, you, you've sprinkled in a lot of advice throughout this. This, uh, <laughs> but It's been really great. Um, do you have any just resounding things that you've learned that you want to share with the people that are going to be listening to this? Uh, you know, for me, I have to remind myself it's not about me. I think that's one of the things that sticks with me the most, especially doing the kind of work that I do. Like, it's not about me, and I don't have to chase after, like, attention and clout. If I do what I'm supposed to do, I will be where I'm supposed to be when I get there, all right? And when I'm there, I want to get everything that's there for me. I don't want your stuff. I don't want their stuff. I want what I came for, and I go from there. Because regardless of the experience, regardless of what you're doing, jobs, undergrad, postgrad, or whatever, there is something there for you that's going to benefit you down the road 
as well as right now. And so get it, pay attention to it, appreciate it, and go from there. Because people like look for this dream job. I don't really believe in dream jobs like that. I think every job has dream aspects if you treat it the right way. Every opportunity has that if you treat it the right way. Because if you just wait for this dream to come up, you're not going to know what to do with it when it comes because you haven't appreciated stuff along the way. I used to work at a truck stop in, in high school. And one of the people I worked with, he was homeless and his son went to high school with me. And uh, I think about working in that environment, working with people who were addicted to drugs or whatever, because I was a dishwasher in a truck stop restaurant. So you imagine it, you know, <laughs> background checks ain't really that thorough. And so, uh, but with some of the people I've worked with in my career, like clients I've served, being exposed to that at 15 and 16 benefited me at 25 and 26. You know, working in the gas station and that form of customer service has benefited me when I run into people doing this kind of work and they might be resistant. And that didn't come from school. That came from just experience. And so, you know, value those things and notice that when you're going through it, when you're experiencing it, it's not all about you. It's about the work you're doing, the impact that you're trying to do, and you can learn from every situation. But y'all see it on social media. People, you know, pray and scream and cry for a job or an opportunity, then they get it. And then they wish they didn't have it two weeks into it. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, don't do that. Just because every opportunity is an opportunity to learn, grow, and get what you came for. And then when it's time to go, you go. That's good. I um, I know that I've gotten a lot out of this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad, y'all. I'm glad we had this conversation. I mean, this is just me. Right. I mean, you, there are other people who can bring so much of the same or more or just different or say it in a different way that can land in a certain way. Students like you all who are currently living in it. And, you know, that and giving people the opportunity to give their narrative and be vulnerable about it. Like you unconsciously give other people the permission to do the same when you do that. And people fit, and that's what people need. They need to know it's okay and it's safe, you know, to do it or just to see somebody else do it and it unlocks something in them. Right. You may never see it come to fruition. You may never really see the impact of it, but know it was made. Well, all that being said, we're coming to the end now. Um, uh, Alex, McKenzie, if you have anything. I just want to say thank you. Um, sim very similar to Andrew. A lot of the things that you mentioned and said and like sprinkled throughout, like you sharing your story really resonated with me and like helped me so much, like in ways that I didn't even realize I needed. So um, I, I, I hope that the people that also listen to this are able to get that as well. So thank you so much for sharing with us and being here with us today. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, Herb, we, we really appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to seeing more of these episodes in the future. So this is going to be good. Bye.